Hey, this is Andy Jenkins on the third floor in my attic, bringing you the Overflow Podcast. And I tell you, you know, I've got a new gadget. I have been, uh, well, you know, I've done the podcast before, and one of the ways that I used this was I would uh, honestly just use the open speakers. That worked really well when I was Zoom calling with others and sometimes Skyping with others. Uh, I've also done this where I've used the headset, where I've just used you know a wired thing. I'm kind of tethered to the computer right there uh, with, um, honestly, the, the microphone that comes right there with the box straight with the iPhone has worked great for me, but but whenever you move, and I, I tend to move around a little bit when I talk, whenever you move, you kind of get that little, you know, like it picks up every little thing. And so, just looking at that and thinking, you know, if, if I'm actually going to do this, let me get a little bit better mic. So I got this little round softball size. It's it's called blue, but there's nothing blue on it. Uh, not not even the stickers blue. It's white, um, blue. A microphone for podcasting, and so here I am, and I got this thing out of the box. It shipped Amazon. Amazon's amazing. Shipped it, got it here. Couldn't find this thing at Best Buy. Couldn't find anything that would do this at Target, at Walmart. None of the big box things. Got on Amazon. Got it shipped. Two days. It arrived tonight. Took the girls to go see. Um, once a month, I, I take my daughters uh, out. Uh, you know, kind of like a, a date night. Uh, I. I date their mom, my wife, Christy, every week, uh, take my daughters out, just me and them, just to spend some time together, um, about once a month, we calendar it, schedule it, we've already scheduled the one for next month, and we just kind of go do whatever they want to do, which is usually eat somewhere um, that's not somewhere that um, Christy and I would go, um, the taste that we have is completely different, and so Christy likes Indian food, and some of these uh, restaurants that y- you know you can't find anywhere. They're just these unique, one-of-a-kind, local-ish type things. We love those. My girls like chains. They like chilies and things like that. And so usually it's something like that. It's a bookstore tonight. It was Spider-Man. Got in. My microphone had delivered 10, 11 o'clock. Got some things done. It's now, I'm looking at my watch right here. It is 11.52 p.m. As you know, if you've listened, I've got this great view of the backyard, got this great view of the city. Right now, I can see some of the city lights. Everything else is pitch black. And if you've listened, you've heard Salter in the background. You've heard Miriam in the background. You've heard Legos getting slung around in the background. None of that. Everybody's tuckered out. And so uh, late at night, I want to bring you this topic that I I have kicked this one around. And I've gotten kicked by this one before. Uh, And it is the topic, I'm just going to title this. I've kind of like the little short, quick, easy titles that tell you what everything's about. I'm going to title this, No Faith Required. No Faith Required. Now, back a few months ago, this is kind of my lead into this. Back a few months ago, I was hosting an online workshop the healing workshop and leading up to that online, I would just go on Facebook Live maybe once every, oh, once every other day or so and, and talk about just some topic related to faith, related to healing, related to health. 
I don't see those two things at odds with each other. Maybe we'll come back and talk about that in one of the upcoming weeks, how health and healing actually work together. And at some point, somebody decided that I was propagating faith healing. Now, I just kind of let it go. I don't generally respond to that kind of stuff. Um, I just kind of let it go. But one of my friends replied, one of my friends named Darren, and and he came on and he said, no, 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 no. He just kind of chimed in. He said, no, no, no. It's not a faith healer because he's actually saying that, I'm saying that faith is not the indicator that makes God heal. It doesn't force God's hand to do anything. Um, He doesn't have to perform. God doesn't have to step up to the plate and deliver based on something that we do. So, you know, Darren was right in this. If you read through the Bible, this is just kind of, I'm preloading what I'm about to teach you, okay? If you're reading the Bible, you're going to see people healed with all levels of faith, total faith, partial faith, no faith even. And so, really, I would say, first of all, Labeling me as a faith healer is an insult to legitimate faith healers everywhere. And I believe that there are some. There are some guys that walk around, some women that walk around, that have that gift where that anointing just drips off them. It just, you know, they just walk in the room and it's it's just there at, at this whole new level. And it's bizarre. You know, in the scripture, you see this idea Uh, Maybe let me kind of categorize something. I hadn't planned to kind of insert this, but I'm kind of rambling anyway because it's late at night. So let me just kind of insert this. In the Bible, you see all different levels of healing. You see that the gift of healing is given. The ability to heal is given to all Christians, all believers. Jesus says in Mark 16, he just says, Mark 16, 15 and following, he says, you will lay hands on the sick people and they will recover. And that's all of us. That's all disciples, past, present, and future. You lay hands on the sick people, they will recover. Uh, There's this other level of healing where you see it, where somehow, uh, somehow people get just even close to people, and just by getting in close proximity to those people, something miraculous happens. Now by that, I mean like if you're reading the book of Acts, it says that people started figuring out about Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5. They started figuring out that Peter carried this amazing power of healing that was qualitatively different, qualitatively more than what the average Christian could do. And by by the way, average Christian means uh, anointed one. Okay, the Bible says in Acts chapter 11, they were first called Christians at Antioch. Outsiders named Christians, Christians, based on what they saw in them. Now, the name Christ, it means anointed one. It means the one who carries the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the one who carries the power of God with him and delivers that to other people. And and what the people in Antioch saw, what outsiders outside of the church saw insiders doing was walking with such a supernatural power that they labeled them, not after Jesus' name, they named them after his empowerment, named him after his anointing. So all Christians carry this ability to lay hands on sick people, to pray for them, and to see the kingdom manifest, right? Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. All Christians have that. 
But you do see some that have this higher level where, uh, for instance, Peter is walking through in the book of Acts. And I'm, I'm going to pull out a Bible here so, and you're going to hear it because I got this great microphone. Um, Peter's walking along in the book of Acts and people figure out where he's going to be. And they start planning and getting the sick people who need healing to line up to sit down just right near where he's going to be because they know that when he walks by, his shadow will fall on some of them. And because his shadow is near, it will change the environment and it will change the environment and those people will be healed. It is, it, it, it's crazy. It is an amazing, amazing power. Well, you do see an even higher level of empowerment than that. You do see that, for instance, Paul uh, carries this power such that... Now, you've seen the abuse of this on late-night television, I'm sure. You've seen the abuse of this on uh, some of the religious broadcasting channels, and you've heard of it and that sort of thing. But remember, I've told you before, you can't really counterfeit something unless there's an authentic, real existing. And so we see in the example of the Apostle Paul, we see that he has such power that people will send handkerchiefs, they will send clothing to him, and when he touches it, just because it's been in proximity and near him, and he's touched it, it will then, when it goes back to that person, it carries that supernatural power with them. It's off the wall. Now, now I've not seen that. I've not done that, but it's, it's there in the text. And so we have to wrestle with the idea that it's there in the text, and we have to just kind of go with it and go, yeah, this, this is an incredibly beautiful thing. All right, let me give you the references for those just because some of you are going to want to go look it up. Uh, and and it's, if, if you've got the book to the Healing Workshop, it's it's on page 167 in the workbook version. Okay, so uh, Mark 16, 15 to 20, Jesus commissioned all the disciples. He said that people would be healed by all of them. That's me, that's you, that's all of them or back then. That anointing where it is on you, uh, like Paul, is in Acts 19, 11, where, where really the supernatural power just jumps from him to thing to person. It, it's just like electricity. It just travels and goes and goes and goes and goes. And Acts 5.15, if you're looking this stuff up, Acts 5.15 is where it says that Peter would walk by and people would just sit there in the shadow. And so uh, when we come to this idea of healing, and that, that was kind of a rabbit show right there, for goodness sake, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I kind of got off there. Um, there are these levels of healing that are incredible. Now, I'd also say here, one of the things that my friend Darren uh, kind of rebuttaled back when somebody kind of accused me of this faith healing thing was, uh, I, again, I wasn't saying God's required to do anything when we exercise faith. I'm leaving room there to say, hey, sometimes we don't know. And I'm not in a position to where if, if we're praying for healing and it does not happen, I'm not in the position and never want to be in the position where we're going to go to somebody and say, hey, this didn't happen. This didn't manifest in your life or this didn't manifest in your family's life because you didn't have enough faith. You know, we never want to blame that on a person. We, we never want to put that burden on someone. You know, the reality is sometimes healing doesn't happen. 
And we don't know the reasons why it doesn't happen. And instead of just living with the tension of, hey, you know what, this doesn't always happen and we're not sure why, we often want to militate towards really tidy answers and really tight boxes. And by now, I hope you're kind of realizing, just from listening to some of the things that I've taught over the past few episodes here, is you really can't contain God in a box. And if you could contain him, he, he, if he was in your box, he really wouldn't be God. He would be like something that you could kind of micromanage and understand and totally comprehend. And he's way bigger than any kind of box that you and I can dream up. And so we don't ever want to assume that God has to heal and that if he didn't do it, that it's necessarily a place to place blame, that something's wrong with the person's faith or something's wrong with with what they did. You know, I, I used to, coming out of kind of some of my theological trying to figure it out type scenarios, I used to think, well, well geez, if, if God heals people and then sometimes it comes back. So I'd seen instances where, just straight up give you a real example, cancer was healed because of faith. We, we exercise great faith. It's, it's healed. And then it comes back uh, a year later it was very easy for me to think, well, the faith disappeared, or it was very easy for me to even think the person must have sinned, and that's what's causing this. And, and the reality is, you know, Jesus has already paid for all sin on the cross. It's already done. I've told you in other episodes that God has forgiven your past sin, and he's forgotten your past sin, and he's decided, per Romans 4, 7, and 8, as well as other verses, not to even hold your future sins against you. So it's not a sin issue that causes that. And and when we talk more about healing, we'll talk about how health and healing both work together and how there may be some answers for us there. But point is, we want to be very careful when going to this faith issue, not to fit everything into a box. Okay. And the the final thing my friend Darren said here, kind of in his rebuttal, uh, was this. Um, and, and again, let me just kind of repeat him. When he said, I'm not a faith healer because uh, faith is not the indicator that makes God heal. You see all levels of faith in the Bible. And I, I'm about to show you that. That's kind of the guts of this podcast. Uh, second, God's not required to do it. So there could be any level of faith. Point number one. Point number two, he's not required to do it. Sometimes it doesn't happen and we don't know why it doesn't happen. Third, is I don't actually leave everything on faith alone. And by that I mean this, and this will be a topic that we'll get into in a future conversation. I advocate natural health. I advocate personal choices you make together with faith. Okay, and so all of these things all converge with this topic, and all these are kind of a tricky way of introing you into the topic of no faith required. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to rip a page right out of the healing workshop, and I'm going to walk you through this area in the workshop where I talk about really the faith is not the linchpin. It is not the catch-all. It is not the, um, well... Let's just roll into it and make sense of it. All right? So here it is. 
I believe that the Bible shows us that faith is not a work. It's not a certain thing that we must do in a certain measure in order to claim our healing. Okay, so there are people all over there, a lot of them a lot smarter than I am, that claim and say that, and they'll argue with you if you don't have enough faith that God is restrained and God can't heal. Okay, in other words, these people assume that your lack of faith or my lack of total faith handcuffs God basically because we don't believe hard enough. We don't believe firm enough. Now, when we look through the New Testament, here's what's crazy. You see something radically different about that. What you're going to see, and what I'm about to unload for you, is really there is no formula, no formula on how much faith or what kind of faith is required for healing. Okay, so sometimes Jesus heals people who don't believe Sometimes he believes, or he heals people who totally believe. Sometimes he heals people who have doubt mingled with some beliefs. There's even an instance where he heals somebody who really doesn't have any idea who he is, or at least the guy pretends not to have an idea of who he is. Okay, so when we're getting into this healing thing, there is no box. There is no formula. There's nothing that you can fit God into. Okay? Now, maybe a footnote before we go on. A lack of faith, in other words, is not always a negative. Okay? So, sometimes the gospel writers are going to write a story and they're going to say, hey, this guy didn't have faith. It doesn't mean they were anti-faith. It just means, hey, they, you, you know... They didn't have it. It it wasn't there. Okay? It and and it really was just part of the story. They're they're just relaying the facts, okay? And so let's go right into it and, and let me show you um, first off the topic of somebody being healed with no faith at all. And by the way, there there are five categories that I'm gonna give you, okay? So if you're writing notes or if you're just kind of mentally tracking with where are we going and, and how far along are we, five five hangers to put this stuff on, five shelves to set it all on. Okay, so no faith. All right, no faith at all. There's a story in John chapter 5 where Jesus is there. This is at the pool of Bethsaida. There is a man that has been lame for 38 years, and he's just sitting there. Now, people believe in that culture that... Whenever the water stirred in that pool, the first person that jumped in the pool would be healed of their physical infirmity. That seems to be true because people continued congregating there and evidently people were healed. So Jesus goes there. Uh, it's near the Sheep Gate, which is, is odd um, and is something we need to pay attention to because that is the Sheep Gate is where all the sacrificial lambs would come in. And so you you need to kind of see the correlation here where okay, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. It is his death that pays for healing by his stripes. You're healed. This is at the sheep gate. Okay, so start catching it all right here. The man's there. Um, John 5, 5, it says the man had been an invalid for 38 years. Jesus looking at him, knowing that he'd been there for a long time, said to him, do you want to be healed? Well, the man answered. He said, sir, he's lame. He can't walk. He said, I have no one to put me into the water. Whenever the water stirs up, someone steps down before me. Jesus looks at him. Verse 8, he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once, 
the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. All right, so right there, I want to show you a very simple story, very easy story. No confession of faith. No, oh yes, I believe. In fact, the guy just, I don't, I don't even know if he's making an excuse or if he's just giving the facts of I'm lame and it's very difficult for me to pull myself over and get into the water before someone else does. Okay, so, so maybe, maybe he's lazy. Maybe he doesn't have the faith that's going to move into action. Maybe he just wants to sit there. Maybe he's legitimately trying and can't get there before someone else who does have good legs gets there. Whatever the case, there's no exercise of faith. He says why he can't be well, and Jesus just says, it's done. Do you see it? Uh, another instance uh, of no faith, Matthew chapter 8. One of the first miracles Jesus did was he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick on her deathbed with a fever. The scripture says that he goes in and he just takes her up and he lifts her up and she becomes well, sits up, and begins cooking dinner. Okay, Again, seeing a healing there. With no faith. One more example in Luke chapter 13, Jesus is walking through the temple. Uh, this is on the Sabbath. It, it's it's amazing how many miracles he actually does on the Sabbath. Like his heart is turned towards people, uh, regardless of what the religious elite say, because the religious elite were against healing on the Sabbath. Uh, so Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. I'm in, I'm in Luke 13:10, and behold, there is a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. She could not fully straighten herself. Somehow this is a spiritual oppression that is manifest physically. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. You see it? She didn't take the initiative on this. He simply looked to her and he said, I'm doing this. I choose to bring healing now, okay, so right there, this covers, in my opinion, topic number one of the faith issue, heading number one of the faith issue. Jesus can heal when no faith is present. Sometimes he just does it. Sometimes people make up a reason. Sometimes it's just they're, they're like Simon Peter's mother-in-law. They're on their deathbed. They're not even in a position to decide or make a confession of faith. He just moves and he's not restrained by faith. Let me give you topic number two or heading number two or shelf number two. Jesus can also heal where there is partial faith or this one you might actually say is faith mixed with some doubt. So let me give you an example from the book of Matthew. Uh, there's a leper who approaches Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 8 verse 2. The leper comes up to him and it's kind of this, um, well, let me, let me just read it to you, and I'll tell you what I think about it. Behold, a leper came to him, knelt before him. So we do see this worship. We do see this adoration and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Some translations actually say, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. It's kind of this, it seems like it's total faith, and I would certainly say it's closer to full faith than it is to no faith, like if we're putting it on a spectrum, and, and maybe that's kind of a good way to understand this, is faith can fall anywhere on the spectrum of none to total. 
anywhere. This one's kind of the approach of, I, I would like this. You can do this. I've seen you do this. And so I, I kind of tend to think, you know, it's it's stronger than 50%, but it's still kind of a mix. There's also this other example that I want to show you. This is probably one of the most well-known. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and he comes upon his disciples, nine of them. Now, Peter, James, and John have gone up the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. He comes down the hill, and the other nine of them are trying to cast out a demon unsuccessfully. There's a little boy who has been tormented with a bad spirit. And so the man is there, and Jesus begins talking to the disciples with the man, the father of the child. And Jesus says to them, um, you know, how long has this been happening? Because the demon throws the child into the water, into the fire, trying to destroy him. And so the father says, well, it happens from childhood. And he goes on to describe how, you know, again, it throws him into the water, to the fire. And then he says, the father, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything, if have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, this is verse 24, I believe help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. There it is. It's a mix. It is in his own words. It is partial belief, partial unbelief. I would say this is where most people are. They are right where this father is. Maybe just sometimes we're afraid to admit it that we would love this. We want this. We are longing for a touch of the supernatural. At the same time, we may not feel if Jesus is willing. May kind of be like that leper. Hey, if you're willing, you can do this. But I'm not sure if I have faith that you will do this personally for me. Yeah, you see that? Let me give you let me give you number three. So we've looked at the idea of no faith, where Jesus does heal people, and there there is no marker, no indicator of faith present. We also have seen him heal people where there is some faith. There's a mixture of faith. There's partial faith, wavering faith. You could, you know, insert whatever adjective you want to. It's just not total. It's kind of somewhere on the spectrum. Let me give you some instances of where there is total faith. Uh, give you some examples where you just kind of see total faith in action. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, there is a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus is the name, and he comes up to Jesus and he says to him, hey, my little daughter, she's sick, but you can come and heal her. And so Jesus says, I will come. I will come to you and I will heal your daughter. Okay, so we see right there total faith. In the same kind of scenario there, in the same episode of stories, uh, Mark picks up, and in Mark 7, 24, we see there's a woman, the Syrophoenician woman. She has a daughter, uh, and her daughter is healed of a demon, and her daughter is healed of the demon because she persists. She pushes on Jesus, and she says, hey, my daughter... um, is sick with the demon. And he, she, scripture actually says she begs him to cast the demon out of her daughter. 
and and he kind of pushes back and says, "Hey, I'm I'm really sent to the people of Israel first. And she says, "No, no, no. I don't need something huge like you're bringing to them. I just need a scrap, a crumb, something small. I believe that you can do this." And he's moved by her faith, and he brings healing to her daughter. It's incredible. It's an amazing story. Um, Luke chapter 8, there's another story. There's a woman that has a flow of blood. She's something menstrual that's been going on. And she's, according to the gospel writer, she spent all that she has on physicians. She's not gotten better. She's gotten worse. She says, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. If only I can just reach out and touch his clothes. Kind of like that thing with Paul with the clothes. Like I I don't even have to have him lay his hands on me. If only I can just touch something that's touched him, then I'll be made well. And the story goes that she reaches out through a crowd. People are thronging, pressing on Jesus. And so no doubt he's getting touched over and over just kind of randomly. And at some point he feels power go out of his body and he turns and they kind of look around to see who it is. And the woman confesses. She says, I, I did it. Because, and it's her faith. Uh, maybe one more. And you see these all throughout the Bible. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. There's two blind men that come up to Jesus, and Jesus heals them. And Matthew writes out, he heals them, and then just in direct quotations, according to their faith. Total faith, total healing. And the, the danger is, we see these incredible stories, and, and you could insert more. You know, Jesus marvels at the centurion's faith and says, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. You know, there's story after story after story, and we can look at these stories, and the danger is we start making any case scenario, any relational connection. These all happen in real time with real people in real relationships. The danger is we make any of those become the model whereby it always has to happen this way. And clearly what we're seeing is there's so much, not randomness, there's, but there's so much interaction and so much compassion that Jesus generally meets people wherever they are. His heart is moved towards people constantly. He always has his heart towards people. He always has his heart open towards them. And if they have total faith, that moves him and he marvels at it. If they have no faith, he still has compassion on them. If their faith is wavering somewhere in the middle, he will coach them and he will elevate them up to a higher faith. The only time you see Jesus chastise somebody for a lack of faith, it is in that story where there is wavering belief in Mark chapter 9. And he gets really frustrated with the disciples and he says something to the effect of, um, well, it, it says something to the effect of, let me just read it, uh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? This is in Mark chapter 9, verse 19. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you, bring him to me? And in that instance, he is not rebuking the man who needs healing He is actually training his disciples. He is training his leaders. He is training the ones who he's already anointed. He's already empowered to take healing to others, and they've already done it. So the equivalent of this would be like just me and you talking here, right? He wouldn't be chastising you if you're the one that's needing healing. 
he would be chastising me because I'm teaching about healing. He'd be chastising me because I've done this before and I've led in this and I presume to um, be a step ahead of most people on this. You see? So he'd be coaching me and expecting more out of me and moving me to a higher level. Almost like uh, when I was in high school sports, our coaches always, always pushed um, some of the athletes harder because they were calling out the best in us. They were calling out the greatness in us. They were elevating us to something more. Uh, Do you see? And that's what he's doing right here. He's not whipping down someone who is desperately sick and needs something. All right. So I've I've given you so far, I promise to give you five headings, five shelves, five hangers where you can set things. I, I told you that we see Jesus healing people with no faith. That was number one. Number two, we see him healing people with partial faith. Number three was we see him healing people with total faith. Let me give you number four. Number four is that you see him healing people based on, now get this, because this totally doesn't fit in a box, based on other people's faith. Okay? So let me give you the instance. Mark chapter 2. There's a man who's lame, and his friends are trying to get him to Jesus. They're thinking, if we can just get him to Jesus, Jesus will heal him, he'll be well. And so they take him to a house where Jesus is in Capernaum. He's been there for a couple days. But when they get there, there are so many people crowded at the door, crowded in the house. It's beyond standing room only. You can't get even into or near the doorway of the house. And so what they do is while Jesus is preaching, they carry this paralyzed friend up on the roof. Okay, back then they'd have these stacked houses, so they probably go to a neighbor, go out the window, whatever. They get onto the roof, and they start digging through the roof or breaking through the roof. Or if it's thatched, they start pulling up the roof, and they drop this paralytic. They lower him down, presumably with ropes, four of them. Lower him down right to where Jesus is sitting inside this house teaching. And so the scripture says that here's what Jesus does. I'm just going to read it, verse 5 of Mark chapter 2, because I want you to catch the power of what's in the text. It says this, just reading. When Jesus saw their faith, he then said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. So notice, he sees not the paralytic's faith, he sees the friend's faith. Okay, now that we go on in the scripture, and it says that some of the scribes were sitting there, and they started questioning, well, you know, why does he speak like this? Who can do this? This is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins? And then Jesus, perceiving inside of his spirit that they questioned this within themselves, he said, why do you question this? What's well, easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Arise, take up your bed and walk. Okay, and, and presumably it's easier to say your sins are forgiven than to say pick up a bed and walk, Right? One's easier than the other. So he says, but so that you'll know that I have the authority to forgive sin, I'm going to do the more difficult thing, and I'm going to say, based on their faith, son, take up your mat and walk. And immediately, this man picks up his mat and he walks, based on the faith of those friends. Okay, and, and you see other examples. Uh, for instance, in Luke chapter 7, there is an incredible story of a Roman centurion that comes up to Jesus. I just alluded to this one a little bit ago. That centurion comes up to Jesus and he says to him, uh, he says, hey, you know, I've, I've got a servant. He's sick. He's at the point of death. Um, so the centurion 
sends to Jesus. He comes to him, um, comes to him through some of his messengers, and the messengers all come and they say, "Hey, he's worthy uh, for you to do this. He, he loves our nation. He's built us a synagogue." And so Jesus goes with them to the house of the centurion. And the centurion says, Lord, don't trouble yourself. You, you know, I, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. You just you just say the word and he'll be healed. And, and he says, you know, I, I understand authority. I, I perceive that you're a man under authority. And so just voice it and it's done. And this is the passage where Jesus says, oh, wow, my goodness, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And it's done for the servant based on the faith of that centurion. Do you see it? Sometimes Jesus heals with, number one, no faith. Number two, partial faith. Number three, total faith. Number four, other people's faith. Now, let me give you a final category, and then I'll start making some observations. We'll kind of tie it all up. Final category is this. Sometimes the healing is backed with action. Sometimes he gives an instruction of something to do. This doesn't mean that you earn it. It just means sometimes there's something more going on. Um, There is this instance in Luke chapter 17. So Luke chapter 17, verse 14 and following. And what happens is there are 10 lepers that meet Jesus. They lift up their voices when he walks by. They cry out, Jesus, have mercy. He sees them and he says to them, this is in verse 14, go and show yourself to the priest. And here's what the scripture says. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, the rest of the story is basically only one of them comes back and thanks Jesus. Only one returns. But notice they're all healed, and they're all healed as they take that step of action. Now, in other lessons, in other places, I have talked about two kinds of healing that we see in the New Testament. One kind of healing is, here's the Greek word, iomai. It is the word that means miracle. It is the word that means instantaneous in-breaking of the kingdom. It is what you see when you see this lame man walk, when you see Simon Peter's mother-in-law get up, when you see the woman who's bent over stand up straight, when you see Jairus' daughter who dies brought back to life. It, it is what you see when you see this centurion's servant who's instantly made well. It is an iomai. It is a miracle. And we see that happen in the New Testament. That word appears 30 times in the New Testament. There's nothing anybody does. It's just something that God chooses to do. Again, sometimes based on no faith, partial faith, total faith, or even somebody else's faith. Well, there's this other word in the New Testament that we see called therapuo. And it is the word that means uh, to attend to, to wait on, to uh, heal intentionally over time, or to teach people how to be well. And you actually see that word, therapuo, that you got got the English translation, therapy. You see this word appear in the New Testament 40 times. It is always backed by an action because it is it is a lifestyle choice that you make. I, I used to wonder, you know, Jesus said things like, hey, you're going to do greater works than I do because I go to the Father. And we see Jesus healing everybody, or you see Jesus going into a city, and it says something like, he healed them all. 
And you think, well, why don't we heal most if you heal them all? And I think that word may lead a clue into it. So in the next episode, I will talk about two kinds of healing, and we will outline both of these kinds of healing. Um, because there's more to healing than, than than really what we just kind of take at face value. Sometimes it is backed by an action. Sometimes it's backed by something that you do. You take a step, take a step of obedience, and he, he shows you how to do it. Okay, so table that for the next lesson. Here's the amazing thing about it. When I look at this, a lot of times people say, well, what about... What about Jesus when he was in his hometown? What about that story where he's in Mark chapter 6? And what about the story where it says he could do no mighty work there? Isn't it that he could do no mighty work there because they didn't believe? And so let's do this. Let me, let me show you just straight from the text what I think is going on. And I think this is a great place to land the plane on the episode here about no faith required. So Mark chapter 6, it says this, Jesus came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath began to teach in the synagogue and many heard him were astonished. They said things like, where did this man get these things? What wisdom is this that is given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not those his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, now catch this verse, a prophet is not without honor, prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, lots of people lock on to those last two sentences. He couldn't do a mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And they assume that he marveled because of their unbelief is the reason that he couldn't do mighty works there. Here's what I think. Let let me throw this out and see what you think about this. Here's what I think. A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown. In other words, people would not honor him as a prophet. They would not receive him as a teacher. Therefore, they couldn't get everything that God had for them. You see, there are passages in the Bible that say things like this. Um, Matthew chapter 10, whoever receives you, receives me. So Jesus is talking about his disciples and says, hey, the, the one who receives one of my disciples, it's the same as if they received me. Whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. In in other words, the way that we expect and honor and treat messengers of God, and I would say the way way right here, Jesus even says in Matthew 10, the way we receive anyone affects what we will be able to receive from them. 
You know, there's this story in Luke chapter 13 where Jesus prays. He weeps over Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 13, 34 and 35, and he says, Jerusalem, you're the city that kills the prophets, and you stone those who are sent. He's he's kind of recounting what they did with all of the messengers in the Old Testament. You just killed one after another. He says, wow, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, like a mother hen protects her children. We have a kitten that was a stray that my kids took in that's had, well, she was a cat, now she had kittens. And she just kind of whistles, and they all come to her. And she makes a meow, and they all come. And they, they she kind of brings them under. You know, and hens do this. Like, mother animals do, you know, there's this, there's a reason we have that phrase that, you know, mama bear, right? She says, I, I wanted to be like this, but, but you weren't willing. Well, how were they not willing? Were they rejecting God? Well, they, they would say they weren't rejecting God, but when they were offended at and rejecting the messengers that God had sent, they were rejecting God himself, right? Because if you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man, you receive the reward that a righteous man brings. He said, you weren't willing. So your house is forsaken. And verse 35, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now you could read that. You will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as uh, indicative of Palm Sunday when they shout Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Or you can see this as a bigger global picture that until you bless and honor those who are sent to you and come in the name of God, to all of them, bless to all of them who are sent and come in the name of the Lord until you honor them, you're not going to receive the things that God has for you. In other words, what what's going on there, I think, in Mark chapter 6 is Hey, what happened is Jesus looks up and he says, wow, a prophet's not honored here. They're they're not receiving me. Therefore, they're not going to get the rewards that come with the prophet. And then Mark says, you know, he was restrained. He couldn't do much, much there. Not, not, not a lot of miracles. And, oh, by the way, P.S. footnote also add on. He marveled because they didn't believe either. You see, like the faith thing here is kind of the afterthought. It's the icing on the cake. It is they would not honor. You say, well, what's the takeaway? Here it is. Here's what I've seen. If people are willing to receive, if there's this honor and this expectation, if they're willing to receive, then they're going to receive. I I see it here in the text. Even people who didn't believe, who didn't have faith, if they were still willing to receive something from Jesus, they got it. And the only time you see Jesus come in faith is when it's total faith. The only time you say he's going to heal somebody according to their faith is when it's total faith. It never restrains him. The bigger issue is honor. The bigger issue is relational. So if you're called, gifted to take the message of healing to people, here's the deal. It doesn't matter about their faith. It's on your faith. And if you believe that God can do it, goodness, He's going to do it. The bigger issue is, are they willing to receive from you? And if they're willing to receive from you, they're going to receive. I know whenever I go somewhere and it's time to teach, if they're willing to receive, they're going to 
to receive every single time. It doesn't matter what their theological issues are. It doesn't matter where they are on the faith spectrum. All of that is so irrelevant because God will meet them where they are. He will meet you 100% of the time where you are. The bigger issue is relational. It is connection. All right, so that's it. Overflow podcast number seven since the reboot. Late at night, third floor of the attic. I'm signing off as I do. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you and shine his face of favor on you. May you grow in faith and may your faith quotient become huge. Even though Jesus said the faith as tiny as a mustard seed could move mountains. May you always, though, may you always, always walk in honor and may you always be received with honor because the relational issue is the bigger thing. I'll talk to you again soon.